Today on The John Ackerberg Show, we will take you to Peru, one of the most beautiful nations in South America, where 33 million people live and 90 different languages are spoken. Jesus commanded Christians to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and make disciples of all the nations. But how can we do this when along the winding Amazon River in Peru, there are over 100 tribes who live and have never had contact with the outside world? Other Peruvians live high up in the Andes Mountains or in the depths of the Amazon jungle and have never been reached. Further, millions of people in Peru have no Bible in their language or are illiterate and can't read their own language, so they have never heard about Jesus. My guest today is Morgan Jackson, Director of Faith Comes By Hearing, who will talk about what happens when people hear the words of Jesus in their own language for the very first time on this edition of The John Ackerberg Show. Thanks for joining me today. I'm John Ankerberg, and my guest today is Morgan Jackson, the director of Faith Comes By Hearing, who's working with over a million churches containing nationals overseas in almost every country, all right? Let me ask you a question. How many languages do you think are spoken in the entire world? The answer is 7,140 languages. Next question, how many of those languages have no Bible in their language? Would you guess it's around 4,000 languages have no Bible? More specifically, about 3,312 languages have at least one book of the Bible, while 2,200 languages remain with absolutely no Bible at all. But then there's one thing that's worse. Think of this. If we translated all 7,140 languages of all the languages in the world and gave a printed copy of those languages to every person in the world in their own language, how many people still couldn't read their own Bible? Morgan? Well, John, 50% of the world is functionally illiterate, so half of them couldn't read it. 70% of the world they'll live in what we call oral cultures, and so their preference is not to read but to hear. So 70% of the world, it would not help. Yeah, they need to hear it in audio form, and that's what God's called you to do. And we've been doing this for about eight years, and when we first started, you had sent teams out into all of the world, into some of the toughest places in the world. We're going to talk about one of them in a moment, Peru. Right. And the fact is, is that you had, at the time we started, you had about 649 languages that came out of an audio proclaimer, an audio Bible. They just pushed the button and they could hear it in their own language. Okay? How many languages do we have now? We actually have uh, currently 1,900 languages that we've done, mostly a dramatized recording. We try to use 25 voices, sound effects and music, and then this is the tool that your donors and watchers have been providing. It's called a proclaimer. Uh, Africans love it because it drinks the sun. It has a hand crank if you don't see the sun, which I haven't seen here in Chattanooga recently. And then it can contain up to four languages. 
It's loud enough that a thousand people can hear it. The batteries can be recharged over 3,000 times, meaning you can hear the whole New Testament at least a thousand times. So this is the tool that we put the audio Bibles on once it's completed. Yeah, we're gonna take people to what they're looking at behind you and behind me. We're gonna take them to the beautiful country of Peru in South America. And I've already told them how many languages there are and how many languages still need to be translated. But Peru is where you learned a lot about the very thing that you do and you also met a very special person, and I'd like you to share that story with the people today. Well, Peru had some uh, meaning to me because my wife uh, was a small child and her, her dad was an oil engineer, and so she was there for a couple of years. And so when Romulo Sanye, who's a Quechua Indian from Peru, uh, a ministry called Chief in the United States, works with Native Americans, brought him to our office. And when Romulo stepped in, he was just this humble, loving guy. Um, his English was a little stilted. And when he walked through the ministry, his face was just radiant. He got so excited. And it finally just exploded out of him. He was like, he had translated the Bible into Quechua, Ayacucho Quechua. Now, I asked him, well, how many Quechuas are there? Well, actually, it's the largest tribal group in all of the Americas. And it came from that place right behind you, which is where the Incas built up on this mountain that you climbed all the way up there. But mm -hmm. the fact is, they were the ones that spread the Quechua language across Peru. But how many forms of them are there? Well, he informed us it was 21 million Quechuas, and they spoke 28 different languages. And so I was a little taken aback. We were at that time not recording the Bible in any languages. We'd done Spanish and English. We'd worked with over 100,000 U.S. churches, getting Americans to listen to the Bible, people who could read. And so he began to tell me how he had translated the Bible into Ayacucho Quechua, but he said that his mother couldn't read it. They were having issues because the Shining Path, a Maoist terrorist group, had been terrorizing, burning churches, killing Christians in the mountain areas. In fact, two weeks before he came, his grandfather had been surrounded by the Shining Path on horses. They had knocked him down. He was a, a pastor. They had then tried to get him to deny his faith, and they took his hand, and one by one, they cut off his fingers, asking him to deny until all his fingers were gone. He wouldn't. So then they scalped him. He still wouldn't deny. So they said, okay, with this tongue, you preach the gospel, and they cut out his tongue. Then they opened him up alive, took his heart, and ate it. It was diabolical. And so he was telling me about the struggles and how the, the Bible wasn't welcome. So open doors had been helping them smuggle Bibles into the mountains. But he said, Morgan, when we come back to the villages, we find the Bibles hanging from the rafters to ward away evil spirits. He said, the people can't read them. My mom can't read this. And he began to weep and he said, Morgan, help me. So my heart is being broken. I'm like, okay, I, I need to help this guy. But it was before we had teams to do recording. I didn't know quite what to do. And so I'm, I'm sitting here saying, okay, what am I gonna do? And, and I said, okay, well, what do we need to do? And then he says, no, 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 I've already recorded it. I recorded it five years ago but it's sitting in a missionary's garage in California because nobody knows what to do with it. It's on reel-to-reel. -reel. 
And of course, that's what we did. We used we produced 20 yeah. million cassettes a year at that time. I think you need to take your audio Bible out and you need to tell them what you first started with. And then you invented this with your brother and another man. This is a very special machine. I want you to tell them how this beat all to pieces what you started with. Well, when we started, we were using cassettes. And so this is what Romola wanted. And of course, when he told me he had, you know, 21 million people, I'm like, what? And he, but he said, there's only 2.1 million people in his people group. But I was thinking, a set of cassettes, a cassette player, I was thinking of the hundred plus dollars it was going to take per person. And I just thought, we weren't raising any money. It was long before we knew and you. And you needed electricity? batteries, and, and so it was just impossible. I couldn't figure out how to do it. Romolo, though, told me that if we provided one set to a village, that the village would sell a sheep to buy batteries, and they're communal. And this is where we started learning about oral communities. And that's actually why we produced the Proclaimer the way we did. Because we started having around the world people who would tell us that they weren't listening to the Bible for two or three months of the year, because although they had a cassette player and they had cassettes, it was the time of hunger is what they called it, between when the next harvest came in and the harvest was finished. And they didn't have, they had to choose between buying food and buying batteries because they had no electricity. And then some places had no electricity at all. No, most of the places we work don't. Up here they don't. So what we did is Mike Jane, as an engineer, we spent three days fasting and praying, saying, Lord, we need something better than this. I don't like people spending three months not hearing your word because they can't afford batteries. And so he came up with this design of a solar panel. Uh, Africans love it because it drinks the sun. He wanted a hand crank because there are places in the jungle they don't see the sun. So this allows, if you crank it for 10 minutes, it will charge enough that you can hear it for 40. And it's loud enough, and this is one of the keys. In Africa, you'll have the whole village come together. In Peru, the same kind of thing. And so it needs to be loud enough that hundreds upon hundreds will hear it, and then it can contain up to four languages. And then we found batteries at that time, they could be recharged 200 times. Now they recharge 3,000 times, meaning you can hear the whole New Testament at least a thousand times. So this is the tool that we put the audio Bibles on once it's completed. And tough enough because boy, yeah. I've been into Ethiopia, I've been into Kenya, and I've been up into South America here, and I'm just saying the fact is everything gets banged up, all right? How this tough is, is that? This is made out of the same material you make football helmets. We have one in the office that's completely burnt, got in a fire, and we, we got it from the, the village that has it because it still works. And we love the idea that even though it was in a flood, we've had them in floods, we've replaced the batteries, and they still run. So this is what Romolo would have wanted. But originally, we started with cassettes. And so I called the guy, the missionary in California. He graciously FedExed them to him. We paid for it. Our team then quickly uh, edited it, put it into a master form. And then we didn't have any way to raise funds. We didn't have donors like you have, John, at that time. And so we did the, the traditional bake sales. So our team just started doing stuff internally. Yeah, you have no TV. You have donated. no radio. You were just asking people through bake sales and so on to get the money. So we raised enough money for 300 And Romola was so excited when he went back to Peru and that 300 arrived. But it took him three or four days to be able to get a plane to go up to Ayacucho, Quechua. 
Now, in that time frame, the word had gone through the grapevine that the word of God, the audio Bible, was coming to Ayacucho. It went out all over the place, and so people started to come, and what happened? When he arrived, there was over 700 pastors. They'd been sleeping in caves and in the field for fear of the shining path. They all came together. Some villages had sent their leader or pastor seven days by walking and by bus to get to this village. And we were so excited to see the hunger. But I have to tell you, it kind of breaks your heart when you know 400 of those pastors went home without. But the 300 that did, when they came back after four or five days of travel to their village and came over the mountain pass and came down and they were holding these audio Bibles up, the whole village, they rang the bells, the whole village came together and they began to hear the Word of God. Now our team started trying to raise more funds, but immediately what we discovered was we were thinking that this was a tool of discipleship, not realizing it was one of the most powerful tools of evangelism. And so oral communities come together. And so when it comes to the time of harvesting potatoes or shearing the sheep, communities come together. So my aunt will come from a distant village, my parents, we all come together. Well, they would start hearing the scriptures. And when they heard the scriptures, they would demand, because it's in their language, for it to be brought. So we got a report of a single audio Bible that had actually reached 31 blank villages. So what they did is they called them blank villages because these were villages where there was no church, no Christian community, no witness. And so the audio Bibles that we began to send out were being smuggled into the mountains and taken village by village. Now, in this early experience, Romola would come back each year to my family, and I have these images of him in the backseat with my children who were very young, teaching them Quechua songs, playing a flute. Well, in 1992, September, about 30 years ago, actually 30 years ago, I was in South Africa with my brother, and we were looking at doing uh, audio Bibles there, and my wife got the phone number of the guest we were with. We were in his manufacturing plant at night, and we got a call that Romolo had been killed. Mary had gotten the call. Romolo had been, she said, on the, the trail. What had happened is him, his dad, a brother, and a cousin had heard that their home village was struggling and suffering because the Shining Path had been rocketing at night. Uh, there was widows. His grandfather uh, had been killed, so his grandmother was widowed. People didn't have the clothing, they didn't have food. And so they tried to sneak in to bring clothing and food to the families that they had in this mountain community. But word got out to the Shining Path that they were there. And being pastors like this, they were hated. And so the road was blocked on the way out, and they were pulled aside. Romolo, his uh, uncle and his cousin were pulled out. His dad also, but they told the dad no. He was pleading to replace his son. He said, no, you're going to watch. And so they killed Romolo and his uncle and his cousin on that road. And Mary was, and I were there some years ago. And there's just a little white, there's a little white monument. It's, it's too small for a man of that greatness uh, sitting there. But I remember being in South Africa on the, this cold floor, and my brother and I just, we knelt, and we were just overcome. I didn't know what to pray. And my brother's an engineer. He, when we're in meetings, he doesn't pray aloud, doesn't sing aloud. He's not the spokesman. But in that time, there was an anger that was in him. And he began to, 
to pray, but he was not talking to God. He was actually talking to the devil. And he just said, you made a mistake. You have crossed the line and we will not stop as a ministry until we have recorded every single language and every person has heard. And he made a declaration of war and in Romulo's blood, a cornerstone was laid in our ministry. And it was soon after that that we began to do audio Bible recordings for all the Quechua languages and all the world. And so Romulo, for me, you see these men and women who are willing to give their lives for their people. And then they've, they're done. They've translated the scripture. They record it. They distribute it. And then when it comes out, it's got no pages. And they ask the people, where are the pages? And they say, well, pastor, you told us that man cannot live by bread alone. But we can't read. So we tear a page out every day. We put it in the soup and we eat it. And when you see people eating God's word, because they can't read it, something happens inside you, John. Yeah. And the fact this is what you're doing all over the world. You're providing audio Bibles that contain the actual languages of the people. It is really hard work to do. And you send teams out into the field and some of them get killed actually in the countries that they're going into. It takes them three to four, maybe six months to record the New Testament. They bring it back. It takes you another couple months to uh, put sound effects with it. It's really terrific stuff in the language of the people. And when you bring it in, the people just, they go crazy because they're listening for the first time to the words of Jesus. We've got about four minutes and 30 seconds left. In Peru, talk about one of our favorite stories of our whole staff is about the grandma that was 80 years old that had never heard the gospel. And this is what this program is all about. How do you bring the gospel to places like this where the gospel has never gone before, where people have never had a Bible? This is what you do. And we're asking for help to help you do this. But the fact is, talk about what happened with the grandma when she did hear the Bible for the very first time. Well, you know, shortly after Romulo died, within a week, the backbone of the Shining Path was destroyed. Uh, I think it was Government God's hand. Yeah. I think God judged them, and they were immediately captured. And so audio Bibles then, and workers were able to take the audio Bibles throughout the mountains. And when I went back in these areas, you know, I heard them tell me that even though Romulo was dead, to them he still lived. Because during the nights when they would be cold and they would be in the fields, they were hearing him speak the words. In one of the villages, the pastor had an audio Bible and an old grandmother was dying. She wasn't a Christian, hadn't come to faith. And so he, knowing she was illiterate, took the audio Bible and each day he would lay it beside her as she laid kind of in this place of dying. But as she listened in her own language, her spirit was restored. She came to faith in Christ. She rose up and was healed. Well, then she went to the pastor pleading with him to allow her during the week, because he used it twice a week on Sundays and then on, in the night, that she would be allowed to use it to take it to other villages. So they called her Abuelita, which is little grandmother. And so this little four foot five, four foot six woman would walk these trails up at 15, 16,000 feet, taking the Bible to the villages. And the kids were getting really concerned because she's in her 80s and they're saying, you know, Abuelita, Mama, you can't do this. You, you may die, you may trip. What happens, you're going alone. And she just told them, nobody should go through life without knowing Jesus and knowing his word in their language. 
And she said, I will do this till I die. If I do not come back one day, it's okay. I will have been doing what I love. I always play the proclaimer as I walk. So if I've died, just follow the sound of the proclaimer until you find my body. Take the proclaimer, bury me, and continue the work. And so I always, and, and this is what's happening around is many times it's the, it's the abuelitas, it's the grandmothers, it's the, uh, the drunks that have come to faith in Christ who are taking the word of God village by village, mountain by mountain. You and I would not be welcomed. That's right. That's why you have the nationals bringing it in to their own people because otherwise uh, we as white fellows, the fact is they wouldn't accept us, but they no. accept their own people. And even then, we're going to talk about stories up ahead where many of our people that have brought Bibles into their villages, where they've been completely pagan villages, and we're going to take them across the world during this series. They've been killed. One year I told you there's so many guys that have gotten killed this year taking in the Bibles that the people have given that maybe we should stop. And you said, no, they're going in whether you give it or not. And so, folks, thanks for joining me today. Next week, we're going to take you to Sudan, Africa, and we're going to take you to Uganda and to the second largest refugee camp in the world that we started helping when they first began. They killed over 2,200,000 people in the Sudan during the wars and they fled into Uganda. And some of them came down to a camp that the UN started and they only had 20,000 when they began and it grew to 100,000 and then 200,000 and then 300,000 became the biggest camp in the world. It's about 270,000 right now. But we've been supplying them with audio Bibles all along the way and we're going to talk about the fact that we just found out that revival actually broke out in this camp. It's absolutely fabulous, and many of you people were the ones that actually gave and supplied those audio Bibles. So I want to talk about that. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for joining us this week. Stay tuned. John will be right back. Thanks for joining me today. When Morgan first showed me the audio Bible for people who have never heard about Jesus or never read a Bible in their own language, I immediately knew that the audio Bible was absolutely unique. With an audio Bible, people can hear God's Word in their own language and clearly understand what Jesus is saying. Now, Peru has 33 million people who have little or no knowledge about Jesus. Many can't read their own language, and others have never had a Bible in their language. In Romans 10:14, Paul asks the question, How shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Would you be willing to send one, two, or three audio Bibles today to these people who have never heard about Jesus? Today, two very generous donors who want to help us and have both promised to match every audio Bible that you give today. And here's how it works. If you will give a gift of $500 for just one audio proclaimer, a special donor will match your gift by adding one more audio proclaimer for a total of two audio proclaimers. Then another special donor will add one more audio proclaimer to your gift, so you'll actually be giving a total of three audio proclaimers. 
And if you'll give a gift of $1,000 for two audio proclaimers, your gift today will be matched by our two donors and you'll really be giving six audio proclaimers. And then if you'll give a gift of $2,000 for four audio proclaimers, your gift will be matched by both of our donors and you'll be giving, listen to this, 12 audio proclaimers. Now, if you wish to give more audio Bibles, whatever size gift you give, each audio Bible will be matched by our two special donors. Then, if you can only give a gift of $30 for one micro SD card, your gift will also be matched by both donors, and you can provide three micro SD cards for people who can insert them into any cell phone, even if they are not connected to the internet. And it will immediately let them hear the whole New Testament in their own language and allow them to watch the Jesus film. And if you give a gift of $60, your gift will be matched by both donors, and you can provide six micro SD cards. And then third, if you want to provide one micro SD card and one Bible stick for a gift of $100, your gift will be matched by both donors and you'll provide three micro SD cards and three Bible sticks. Now, Bible sticks are personal digital players that are battery powered and come loaded with an audio Bible and earphones so that people can listen to the Bible privately. Both the micro SD cards and the Bible stick are very much in demand. So folks, if God is leading you to provide an audio proclaimer, a micro SD card, or a Bible stick, please call us right now at 1-800-805-3030. That's 1-800-805-3030. And you may call that same number any day this week, 24 hours a day or you may give your gift immediately at our website at jashow.org, where we have a secure place for you to give your gift. That's jashow.org. Then if you live in Canada, please call us at 1-866-746-5803, or you may give your gift at our Canadian website at jashow.ca. And when we receive your gift, we will send you a receipt and a personal thank you. Then folks, our outreach into other countries is growing so fast. As a 100% viewer funded ministry, your non-restricted gift supports the production of a number of ministry programs and purposes, including among them, the broadcasting and expansion of the airing and production of the John Ankerberg Show in the United States and international markets. The John Ankerberg Show, thanks to you, now broadcasts to potentially 4.5 billion viewers in more than 200 countries and territories. God is opening doors and getting His Word out, and I'll appreciate your help very much.